worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you let us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd You know what that means. It's time for a new episode of the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things everything, the podcast where we talk about all things pop culture, the podcast where we talk about all things geek and tech and comic books and books and video games and TV shows and movies and all the other fun stuff. We're your hosts. I'm Boris, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Phil. I'm a run-on sentence. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's like every time we do that, and Lego, and then there's Phil stuff, and Muppets. Yep. Whatever <laughs> I can fit in. Yeah, fair enough. We try to cover it all, ladies and gentlemen. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> So what's, what are we going to be talking about today? We're going to be talking about all things Captain and Winter Soldier, episode number three, Power Broker. That's pretty much it. That's you it. You mean the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. What did I say? You said the Captain. Fucking, because I'm literally looking at something. Oh, no, no, I, it's an easy thing to do because, uh, shockingly, there is way more Captain America in this than even I was expecting because I wasn't paying attention to any hype for the show. So I didn't even know that there's going to be a Captain America in there. Oh, yeah. Big and time. uh turns out that he's a pretty major pivotal piece of the plot. They so the least, to speak. To say the least. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. going on. So how's your week going, Phil? It's going great. It's going Excellent. great, you know. I I I've only watched this episode once. I've tried to avoid all spoiler-ish discussions. Yep. yep. Sounds about right. Um, yeah, I watched a brief summary on the internet, but nothing with opinion in it. Yeah. Just to refresh it a little bit, just to spritz it up. Yep. And uh, I definitely formed impressions while watching this. Yep. Which we will discuss. Which we will but, discuss. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. How did you feel about this episode, Boris? Um... I've personally, I like this episode a lot. I think that this is kind of really setting up the second half um, of the show. This is like really the, the the second act right here, right? The climax of the second act is what we're seeing. And I think that it does a great job of kind of reintroducing us to the world of Captain America, Winter Soldier, um, you know, with Zemo, with other characters that we're going to talk about. But also introducing us to kind of like, you know, the bigger world stuff like John Walker, uh, yeah, John Walker, the new captain um, Mm -hmm. and uh, the Flag Smashers and all that stuff. Like we're kind of 
getting the new stuff with the old stuff and there's some great integration um, and you know they're kind of building on the Marvel world a little more as you know the majority of this episode took place in a location that was a surprise to a lot of people but it's uh, kind of fun that they've actually introduced this place in this show yeah you know I I found this episode was fun to watch a little bit on the unexpected side or some of the places it, it took place in and some of the just the overall story arcs that it took a shot at. It was, it was very interesting to me. I, yeah. I, I find that this had a little bit different of a tone. Oh, yeah, big time. Than big maybe time. the other did and felt a little less MCU snorry. Like, it, it just felt a little less in that grounded MCU world and a little more in the fantastic end of it shall i say like the super a little more out there the super a little more out there not yeah Wanda. well it, it's it, asking it, you to it's asking you to believe in a place that it's like believing in wakanda it's asking you to believe in a place that exists that is in our world but not which yeah. i know that you've already talked about and stuff i don't know the huge comic book but Here's significance the thing about that. of like, this place but reason, i got the the feel of it the reason why i asked you that was because you know see the way that the mcu is especially right now is we have the mcu that's grounded then we have the mcu that's more comic book superhero-ish which is kind of where, mm-hmm. where this show lands and then there's wandavision which is like the yeah the, the fantastical insaney uh god knows what right so that's why i just wanted to clear that up which is like yeah and then know. and then somewhere in all that too is like the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Which is a little bit of all that kind of stuff. Like Marvel, space, goofy, and real. But, but that's, <laughs> you know, it's, you know yeah, but that's what it's Marvel at its core is, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people forget about that. That the fact that a lot of the Marvel and Marvel comic books, they are space fantasies, right? Like, that is yep. what they built their core on. So... That's what we're going to be seeing a lot of. And I think that, you know, overall, like, there's a little something for everyone. And even in this episode, there was a little something in it for everyone. Like, you got your your MCU humor, which kind of wears thin on me sometimes. Uh, you got your action. You got your story. You got your whodunits. You got your what's going ons. You know, this show really does have a lot going on for itself. And, you know, I, I did see a lot of mixed reactions on the internet. Um, so, you know, I kind of want to hear what a lot of people, what our listeners thought of this show. I can tell you... Just like I said in our weekends episode, the one parallel that I took out of it quite literally, visually, and stylistically on this episode was John Wick. Yeah. I just felt like this is the MCU doing John Wick a little bit. Yeah. Like just playing around with that. Just, just, just because of the way the places, the way it was shot the action sequences, the attitude. Yeah. It had attitude, this episode. That did, to say the least. Um, so, yeah. So, let's get into it, man. Like, you know, let's uh, mm-hmm. let's jump right in. So, at the end of episode two, the star-spangled man, um, our two heroes passed on teaming up with John Walker and Lamar Hoskins to track down Carly Morgenthau and the Flag Smashers. Instead, 
they decided their best bet to find Carly and learn more about the Super Serum is through Zemo. So that was kind of like the cliffhanger from last week. Um, so, you know, this week we kind of knew that a lot was going to happen, but it, they got right down to it. So, um, so yeah, so let's talk about something. And I know I, 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 know I said we mm-hmm. wouldn't get started, but there's something I did want to bring, bring up, and that's kind yeah, of no the ongoing discussion. We talked about this a little bit last week, and that is the post-blip world and kind of the strain on resources and, and kind of like, you know, this new world that they're building, like this post-blip world. Um, and we're kind of seeing that the world is pretty fucked up right now. Yeah, because early on in the episode, we get that commercial, right? About, it's kind of like a harken back to WandaVision a little bit with its commercials, but obviously this is a much more serious tone that's not molded by someone's personal reflections or realities in, intruding. But it talks about this post-plant, uh, post blip world and the um repatriation yeah of of the world and i thought about that a lot actually because it was it was i i started thinking about it from the the point of view of the characters that experienced this yeah and what it means to the social and economic and all aspects of the world yeah like it must be interesting number 1 to have the 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 snap happen half the world disappears and we're not just talking half the people we're talking half the birds half the living things half the animals yeah living things so well i even wrestled with living things because i'm like half the trees didn't yeah. disappear well did they we don't know we don't know that, that that level of detail but it is arguable it's arguable I, you know I that just, anything with a heartbeat yeah. you know like they made a yeah okay so to, that's our classification yeah. that's fair um, so we get a lot of loss and then the world has to react to that. Obviously social and political structures would start to be compromised because there's not enough people staffing them now, but there's also less demand. So certain things disappear. And this goes all back to the flag smashers. Yes. And their whole credo of they preferred the world and the political status that was attained for those five years to the current or the previous, like before the blip. But then you have all the people come back. And now there must be an immense amount of strain, both financially, environmentally, like food must be a challenge because, you know what I mean? Like you don't know how the world reacted to the less strain. And now you have to have a government or some political battle to say, and and as well, for those five years, those people lived. Yep. They actually lived and achieved things and aged and moved on with their lives and had to go through a lot of grief. And then you have all these other people that just blip right back into existence and are like, hey, the party's still on. You know, let's go yeah. get beers. Yeah. Right? And and just be like, well, well, screw it. I'm a person. I was a person before. This is my house, even though other people are living in it now. Or whatever the situations are. And those are all complex things. Very complex. So that's exactly what the GRC, the Global Repartition Council, is Repatriation. Repatriation is to reactivate citizens, social security, healthcare, um, because they're essentially refugees at this point, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. John Walker and Hoskins, their job is to keep things stable because they know that 
you know, the Flag Smashers are around. The Flag Smasher have this this ultimate goal that they want things to be back to the way that they were in the blip. Yeah. You know, if if, if we kind of think about the real world, um, you know, I can't, I obviously I wasn't around, but from what I've read, from what I've learned, um, you know, it's very similar to kind of like, you know, post-World War II world um, where mm-hmm. you had all these displaced uh, Jewish people and, and it was, what do we do with them, right? So, you know, it, it I think that is the best kind of comparison to the real world that we, we can possibly make. Um, and, and then, you know, we know that that led to a lot of the issues that we're still facing in the world today. Yep. It's got parallels, that's for sure. And and here's the thing. The new Captain America and Battlestar are employed by the CRC or whatever it is, the repatriation. Yep. Yeah. They're they're riding around in a van provided by them. So these these people obviously have a great amount of political power and power over the not only the political system, but the financial system in order to have the resources that they have. Yep. So they're in somebody's pocket, now, so to speak. Pocket? So I think that they're, yeah, I think that that's kind of the, the left hook waiting to come in on us as an audience to find out that they're working for, in our view, the bad guys. I think that that's being set up. Yeah, like a I new just, version of Hydra, right? Like that's that's kind of what I'm yeah. guessing. That's kind of where- The I'm last what... time we saw this was Civil War. Exactly. And that's exactly what they set up. So I'm like, yeah, this is this is going to land. And now they could switch it all up too. This is totally a it could be a bait and switch as well. I don't know and and superheroes are free agents and that's the way they prefer to be or they're actually good guys fighting against an evil corporation or you know, it's all in how they decide to spin this and what kind of attitude yeah. MCU writers have decided what tact They've decided to put on this. And I think a lot of, like, we have to remember that this show stalled in order to get out because of the pandemic. Yeah. And that changes a lot of our texture and and understanding of the world as well. What yeah. we've gone through in the past year and what they've predicted we would mentally go through and how this applies itself. Yeah. Exactly. To the current political leanings of an audience. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, there's a lot of heavy stuff going on in the MCU and, you know, even in DC Universe and whatnot, just around this whole pandemic and how they're approaching the media, like how they're approaching their media. Yeah. All right. So... Um, Isaiah Bradley wasn't much of help, uh, so Sam and Bucky headed to Berlin uh, because they need to chat with Zemo. So Zemo is pretty much the same. Um, I really love the part where he sees Bucky and he begins reciting the sequence of code words to activate Bucky's Winter Soldier program. Um, I like when uh, Bucky says, that doesn't work anymore, and then Zemo says he just wanted to see how Bucky would react to the old words. Um, I love the fact that uh, Zemo just basically said, Mia culpa for everything I did earlier. Like, my bad. Mm-hmm. Everything that I did in Vienna and Serbia. He he said it wasn't personal, um, that it was a means to an end. And that's something that we keep seeing more of in MCU, right? Like, and, and I think they did a great job in the MCU, especially in Avengers and, and uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. Where it was kind of like, 
you weren't really sure about S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Like, how many times did Captain America question mm-hmm. uh, Nick Fury? Like, you know, are we the good guys or are we the bad guys? Like, what's going on here? Why are there so many secrets? Like, what's going on? Um, so it's kind of like the means to an end seems to be a common theme and motivation for people who think that they're doing the right thing, but, you know, they're not necessarily doing the right thing. Good I see thing. What you ethical just thing. Did there. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so Bucky isn't there for like a chit chat. He tells Zemo that someone has recreated the super soldier serum and they need to find out who Zemo is obviously intrigued and realizes Bucky must, uh, be desperate if he came to him. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, so that's that, that's their confrontation. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Then we see Sam and Bucky having conversation, and I love this hypothetical scenario that Bucky mm-hmm. uh, presents to Sam, uh, and he paints a beautiful picture of how easy it would be for one of the most dangerous men in the world to walk right out of prison. Um, while Sam is worried about Zemo messing with Bucky's mind, Bucky stands by Zemo's code of eliminating super soldiers. In his plea, Bucky reminds Sam that he once stuck his neck out of him and he's hoping Sam would do it again. So again, you know, it's kind of like really making it personal. Um, and it's like, look, this is, I'm begging you if you can, if you can just come on my side again. Yeah. Yep. No, it, it all read like a little nice storybook yep. up until this point. I'm like, this is great storytelling. You're not commanding me to use any gray power. You're presenting me with stuff and you're giving me obvious beats to what I've seen before, like with the little trying to get them to activate and stuff like that. And the humor that, that, because that was humorous. Right. Yeah. And, um, and then that whole hypothetical, that, that prison break thing. Yeah. Right. It was, it was just fun. Right. It was just like, that was good storytelling because you had the narrative and then backed up by the visuals and yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it for exactly what it was. And then I was just like, well, this is going to be a messed up, dysfunctional little grouping. Yeah. Because through all this, uh, Bucky is keeping Sam away from meeting Zemo. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to unhinge Zemo to being in with an Avenger, right? Like he just figures I'm spe- the guy that can go in there and talk to him. I, I know him. Yeah. Basically, here's the thing. Zemo, in his mind, is doing the Avengers' work. He's eliminating Hydra. He's eliminating the bad guys. But he does it in his own shape, way, or form. He doesn't need Avengers. He doesn't need help. He does it in his own way, right? And in Civil War, he used psychological means to an end. Mm -hmm. So, that was that. Yeah, and now we're going to get the true comic book version of Zemo. Exactly, because Zemo... I don't want to say retconned in the MCU, but I guess it was more they expanded on his character because we saw a very small sliver, the tip of the iceberg, uh, when it as it pertains to Zemo and his characterization. So, all right, so Zemo breaks out of prison. Uh, Zemo has the means and resources to help them. He's a baron. His we find out his family was royalty before Sokovia was destroyed. Uh, third. They're heading to Madripoor, an island in the Indonesian Indonesian um, uh, area. Peninsula. To, yep, peninsula to find a mid-level criminal named Selby. And fourth, Bucky in a f- 
isn't a fan of rhythm and blues. So that's kind of a few things that uh, kind of happen all back to back to back back. So Madripoor. <laughs> what is Madripoor? Madripoor is a fictional island located in maritime South Asia. Uh, it's probably the most famous in X-Men comic books. Uh, we see it in 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 X-Men lore a lot. Uh, so it's modeled after Singapore. Um, so not only is it kind of like uh, technologically out there, but it's a little shady. You know, it's got its... Uh, it's got its, uh, got its dark, underbelly. Its underbelly, the seedy underbelly of of, of the MCU. Um, so it's basically where both the rich and the poor live, and it's a place for the very rich and the very poor. So you just get this like this this uh, smorgasbord of of people, um, and and we sounds find like out Rio de Janeiro of Asia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we find out that essentially, like, if you're on the run. This is where you want to be. Yeah, I got the feeling to me as a casual MCU guy, I got the feeling that this reminded me in essence of what the no was like in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. It's like a space where people go to either rich or poor to gamble, hide, get get people off the trail, maybe seek political asylum. And but still live in a life of kind of ill repute, if if you wanted to say so, or or maybe live on the fringe. Yeah, continue to be an outlaw, All and right, just so, escape the, the the actual clutches of your home. So nation. hear me out. This is kind of like mm-hmm. where 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 I'm I'm kind of seeing how Madripoor is is being seen in the MCU. It's kind of like the anti Wakanda, the opposite of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. You know. Wakanda yeah, is this makes sense because Wakanda peaceful has an order, has technology, it's unified, it, it's 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 wanting to remain off those people's types of radar. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's this is more so the other side where they're like, "Hey, you got a problem with the law? Come on over here. We got blackjack." Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> All right. So so yeah, and 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 as well with Zemo. What I meant before, and I know that you know this, but Zemo, like you had mentioned, was set up as a psychological guy previously. But in the comic books, he was always this rich baron who had deep resources. Yeah. And we're finally seeing that now Yeah, in this episode where he's just like, I have a plane. And, you know, like he's got the big coat and he's got, apparently he's talking a lot of crap to the, the guys in his native language, whatever yeah. that is. But on the subtitles, you can read it in the show. I, I didn't go back and reread it. I just caught, picked up on that, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, you know, like th- this is a pretty cool character. This is this is where I started to be reminded of John Wick a little bit. I already yeah. was starting to catch that whiff of okay, these guys are professional badasses, yeah, and they have this history, and now they're going to go to badass land, yeah. And badass land looked an awful lot like an episode, of, like a, a movie of John Wick yeah. to me." Yeah. So one of the things that Zemo said was so they're the butler, the whatever he you want to call them, um, the Jeeves. He basically says, hey, you know, some of the food might not be good anymore. Um, and Zemo basically said, mm. hey, if, if any of the food that's not frozen anymore, that's starting to go bad, you can give it to my friends here. You know, it's kind of yeah. like those, those types of jokes. Um, so yeah. Zemo, Bucky and Sam. Sam right now is disguised as Conrad Mack. 
aka Smiling Tiger. Uh, they go to a place called the Brass Monkey Bar in Lowtown. Um, so we also at this point find out that Madripoor is run by the power broker who Zemo only knows by reputation. He's judge, jury, and executioner. Which we've had the power broker's fingerprints all over the show so far. Yep. Right. So this is obviously not a mistake and it's going to become a plot point to be pushed on at some point in the next three episodes. Yeah. All right. So speaking to Zemo's former associate at Brass Monkey and Brass Monkey owner Selby, uh, Zemo barters ownership of the Winter Soldier and the codes to control him if she gives them a name Who on who's creating a super soldier serum. Uh, Selby reveals that Power Broker has a Dr. Wilfred Nagel um, working on the serum, but things didn't go as planned. However, that's all the info they're getting because if they want more, it's going to cost them. Unfortunately, Sam's sister calls him on the phone and essentially blows his cover. Yeah, you know what? Like, I had a bit of a problem. It, it started getting a little goofy here. Yep. This is what I mean I by like, right, M- I- this is what I mean by MCU humor. Like. Yeah, it's almost it try was... hard humor. Yeah, because like he's just like, so who am I supposed to be? Now I'm assuming this conversation was happening far before Sam put the suit on, the outrageously loud pimp suit that yeah. he called it, right? And I'm just like, all right, well, you should already be knee deep in your character development if you're gonna be going in to this place where the slightest mistake will expose you. And when they did the shot with the snake and everything. And the way he, he was not acting like a badass. Yeah. He was like, Hey, this is really good. Huh? Like, I'm just like, come on, dude, like play the part. Even yeah. I would call bullshit on Even, that. And I don't look, know who you're trying to mimic here, but I'd be like, if I was to pull out a freaking live snake, gut it in front of you, extract something to put in your drink. And then you were like, thumbs up saying it's good. And stuff like that, I'd be like, the heck is this guy? Yeah. Somebody, like, get a gun. You know, like, there was it was very unbelievable. And then the whole phone call thing, right? And I'm like, all right, well, because before that, it was, correct me if I'm wrong, we had the demonstration of the Winter Soldier. You know, Zemo snaps his fingers and is like, of course it's a Winter Soldier, you know. And 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 Bucky just goes like absolutely kick ass assassin yep. on everybody again. Just flips the switch. Away we go. I liked it. And then we get them in the back talking, and the phone rings, and they're like, "Oh, something's up." Like I'm just like, yeah. something was up the minute this guy put the suit on. Yeah. Like, yeah. come on. You would think that. Like, why would you even try that? You would also think that someone with such a big reputation, like they would know a little more about them, right? Like. So that something is yeah. off. That's uh, this is a little fishy, right? Like, and and the worst part here and it was that the barkeep even like kept looking at them as they're doing that snake shot, um, and and it's kind of like at that point, fuck, I would have called all everyone. I would have put out the uh, the big hit on them, right? Like, yeah, like that's what was baffling me is just like they expected us to buy that bullcrap. And and they somehow snuck it by us, and that I found a little bit much. Yeah, that I'm like, they should have just not had Sam come in, and then they should have written it in that Sam flies in, is watching from 
outside in the Falcon outfit and then yeah. crashes in through the window and helps them escape. Yeah. See, this you know, is the thing. I know we're, I feel like we're kind of crapping on this a little more than we should be, but it's one of those things where it, it, it just doesn't fit the stuck tone out. of the entire, yeah, it's stuck out like a sore thumb. It doesn't fit the tone of the rest of the episode or even of the show for that matter. Um, and it, it was the MCU humor for the sake of having the MCU humor, which honestly I'm fine with, but there's a time and a place, and honestly, this was not it. Uh, so again, their yeah. all their covers get blown um, as things heat up. An unknown sniper kills Selby, allowing the team to escape. Uh, and then right away, as they soon as they kill Selby, a major bounty goes on their head. Um, so because you know everyone assumes that they murdered Selby, so Sam, Bucky, and Zemo are on the run without weapons and on foot. As they're cornered by a group of bounty hunters, they're saved by a guardian angel, a.k.a. Sharon Carter. This is the first time that we've seen Sharon Carter since Civil War. Yeah, since she stole the shield and and, and, and Falcon's wings. Right, and, and here's the other thing, too. This is the big parallel, one another big parallel to John Wick. Yep. And not that John Wick owns the idea that there's an assassin's ring, and they all, you know what I mean? Like, John Wick definitely played it way over the top with all these operators and everything like that and teletype machines and all this crap going out to everybody. But I just couldn't, like, ignore the parallel. that Everybody's looking at their cell phone. Everybody's got a gun. Everybody's like, oh, I better load my gun because I swear I saw these guys just walking around. And now they all know, eh, that's not the tiger guy. Yeah. That, that, this guy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, Oh man, this is they're trying to connect this world in a similar fashion. And I'm okay with it. I can buy it. I just thought it was funny because I'm like stylistically, this show is being set up as a very, very close parallel to like I say, John Wick. Even to the point where they were there was kind of dancing going it's on. It's funny that you say <laughs> that because like, you know, I do akin this show a lot to a lot of what John Wick introduces and what John Wick does. And, you know, so I know we're gonna kind of hitting breaks taking a left turn right now one of our famous segues into god knows what or tangents i should say um loki released a new trailer and i gotta say all loki is is a high budget um legends of tomorrow which is a mm-hmm. zany dc show on cw so again it's not a bad thing i'm not saying it's a bad thing no I'm no just they, saying it's, you know they're they they're, they draw inspiration from obvious places which is fine um, you know, imitation but. is a compliment, right? Yep. Like, like that's, and, and you know, the funny thing is, is they're probably going to do it better in some cases. Yep. And I'll say this for Falcon and Winter Soldier is that it's a PG audience versus a John Wick R rated audience. So yeah, maybe exactly. there's kids out there listening to us and thinking, oh my God, I want to watch this John Wick. You know, we're, we're skipping over all the extreme violence. But you know what the MCU does get is all the extreme action. Yeah. Which is just as good, in my opinion. I don't need to see some guy's shin bone breaking through his leg when, when he gets kicked or something like that. But I get it with just the kicks and the, the you know, what we, the action that we get in the MCU is, is perfectly um, good. Yeah. All right. So. Um, heading to Hightown, Sam, Bucky, Zemo, Lalo, as Sharon uses her resources to track down Nagel. How did Sharon end up in such a lawless place? And this is kind of where she goes through her backstory and reminds the viewers, Sam and Bucky, kind of 
how she ended up here and what she's been up to. Uh, so she said, I stole Steve's shield, remember? I also took the wings for your ass, saying this to Sam, so that you could save his ass to Bucky. Yep. Uh, from his ass to Zemo. Unlike you, I didn't have the Avengers to back me up, so I'm off the grid in Madripoor. Yeah, and I liked it. You know, she's dealing art and stuff like that. She's carved out her existence. She's, you know, upset over being abandoned, which I get, but there's also the blip that happened Yeah, through all this, right? Yeah. Because the space between... Civil War and basically the events of of Infinity War are not that huge considering everything that was going on. Yeah. Well, they were you on. You know, a- these guys weren't sitting around going, hey, you know what? We've sorted out the Sokovia uh, stuff. Um, let's just try and find Sharon. No, it was nonstop, right? Like, we're talking Infinity War basically parked the Sokovia conflict. Yeah, pretty so, much. Pretty much. Like, and even then, we're we're still kind of seeing it now, right? Like parts of the Sokovia Accords, mm-hmm. like where that's why we have John Walker as the new Captain America, where you're seeing yeah. government approved superheroes. Um, so Sharon says she doesn't it's not that she doesn't want to come home or talk to her family, it's that she can't. Um, and this is the only place, this being Madripoor, where she could go uh, since Madripoor does not allow criminal extradition from within its borders. Um, so hardened by her time on the lamb, Sharon tells them that they're naive for believing in the shield and trying to be a hero. Uh, still, despite warning Sam and Bucky to steer clear of the power broker and Dr. Nagel for their own safety, she helps them locate Nagel in exchange for Sam securing a pardon from the U.S. for her. Yeah, and I, I'm sure that that's going to come at a very appropriate time. Of course, in the next phase of the MCU, I think that she could play a big role yeah. in a lot of things. I always thought she was a strong character in the shows that she was in, mm-hmm. and I liked her character. And I was not really aware of everything that had gone on with her, just because I wasn't focused on her because she played such a bit part. In also, remember big though, like now moments. we can take the time to remember about these characters and that's the beauty of the show right that's the beauty of wandavision falcon and winter soldier is we get to get into the nitty-gritty of their lives and find out their financial situations and etc yep so they end up on a shipping yard to search for dr uh, wilfred nagel uh sharon serves as lookout holding off bounty hunters sam bucky and zemo talk to nagel inside of one of the um uh i guess the um the shipping containers, but That's it's it. kind of like done up like a a, a laboratory yeah. inside, yep. right? So it's like the Bat Cave of shipping containers. Nagel then says that he was brought into the Winter Soldier program first with Hydra, then with the CIA when Hydra fell. The CIA presented Nagel with blood samples from an American test subject, um, <gasps> Isaiah Bradley, uh, viewing himself a. God doing more than what Dr. Erskine was able to do with Steve Rogers. Nagel was able to optimize the serum without clunky machines or physical body dysmorphia. Unfortunately for all parties involved, Nagel disappeared with the snap along with half of the world's population. When he returned five years later, the program was abandoned, but thankfully for him, the power broker was willing to fund the recreation of his work. 
with support of the power broker, Nagel created 20 vials of the super soldier serum before Carly uh, Morgenthau stole it. Carly had reached out to him to help her find a cure for Donya Madani's tuberculosis, but he wasn't uh, concerned nor felt any desire to help. Before they could learn anything else from him, and just before the secret lab was blown up by the bounty hunters, Zemo kills Nagel. Yeah, so that tuberculosis patient is her mom. Yep. Um, as well... All I, it, it was it was it was fine. I, I I accepted the story for what it was. I was curious to see where it was going to go. The only other thing that I wanted to bring any degree of attention to, which I really like the idea that they could create these circ- these super soldiers now, without having to do the body dysmorphia, because we have to remember that the Incredible Hulk was made in the super soldier program as well, right? Like that was kind of the kickoff with the Edward Norton version. Yep. Was that that was the the body dysmorphia Steve Rogers continued experiment um just down the line. And I, I like the, that cohesive angle for the geeks. Yeah. It's there if you want it to be there. Um it doesn't have to be there if you don't want it to be there. It's just another weird program off on its own that happens to be under the same shoot as the United States government. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I I thought this was kind of a creative way around it, and it it gave more explanation to the Black Captain America, which I quite liked. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so fighting their way out of Madripoor, um, Sam tells Sharon to come with them back to the state. So we see a very long action scene. There's not much to say there. Um, no, nope, yeah, John Wick, but yeah. John Wick is Sharon. Yeah, Sharon was so kick-ass in this entire... I know, uh, she was just like, I was, I enjoyed it very, very much. I was just like, this, I'm not one to sit here and remark on action scenes. You've all heard me recap The Mandalorian Season 2. Yeah. And I'm like, and then action happens. Robert Rodriguez was very happy here. Yeah. We saw a helmet smash. This was great action. Like, this, this to me was better than the Robert Rodriguez episode of the mandalorian and that's saying a lot to me because i really wanted to see boba fett kicking ass yeah and everything but i was just like this was way more comprehensive in the way that it was shot in in her capabilities and whatnot and really i was expecting not as much from that character but i was just like wow this is fun like this is really good tv well you know that she's obviously had to do a lot of interesting stuff in Madripoor. It seems like the place where you kind of have to literally fight for your own survival. Um, So, yeah. So, she tells Sam, hey, I can't go back to the States until you get me that pardon. Um, So, as the team leaves, Sharon tells an associate, who we do not know who they are, they've got a number of big problems on their hands. So, she seems to be very well connected. I think she knows a lot more than what she's leading on. And um, I'm very interested to kind of see how Sharon Carter fits into the rest of the story. Well, even the way that she departed the fight scene. Like, because they all got in the car with Zemo. Yeah. And she absolutely knows, like, exactly where she is. Yeah. And turns a corner and has her own driver waiting there. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh man, she's way more connected in this in this scene than than we had previously thought. Like I, it might become something that we talk about later, 
in the series. I don't know if we're coming back to Madripoor or not, but at some point in the MCU, it might be something that comes up yeah. before her extradition or clearance back to the States or even maybe after. Yep. All right, so as Carly and Dovik scope out the location of their next hit, he's a, he suggests that Carly take some time to mourn the passing of Mama Donya, uh, which she kind of dismisses. Playing revolutionary was never something they had envisioned for themselves. Uh, Dovik had intended to join the military, while Carly wanted to be a professor teaching history or art like her surrogate Mama Donya. However, when the blip occurred, those who returned pushed them to the streets, that's how they found their way in Madripoor. So, again, we're kind of seeing what the blip has done to people, where people that were lost in the blip were kind of seem to be given more opportunities, um, more mm, of what's yeah. available, right? Like, it seems like the people who were lost in the blip were kind of, hey, you were gone for five years you're essentially a refugee we're going to take care of you and people who have been around keeping the world afloat were kind of forgotten of yeah we even saw that a little bit in uh wandavision remember when rambo comes back yeah and they're like well this would have been your job if you didn't disappear but now i'm the director so fuck you <laughs> like like really that was the head honcho director's guy's attitude is like well it's my job now so, you know, um, you're grounded, by the way. You're yeah. not even going to be able to go and kind of go above my head figuratively, but literally, you're not going to be allowed to do that even. I'm telling you that this is your assignment. Go do it. And, yeah, I think this is an extension of that. I think this is very much showing you the disparity between those who disappeared and those who are coming back, unless you were an absolute alpha in some of these superheroes that came back. Yeah. Um, so Dovik is concerned that the power broker is going to catch up to him and Carly. Uh, Carly now obviously somehow figured out that Nagel is dead. Um, and now that they have the last supply of his super soldier serum, the power broker is about to come begging. So they have figured out that they now hold the power. They hold the key. They hold what everyone it seems to be looking for. And they somehow think that, that, well, I'll wait until we get there. Yep. Um, so, <laughs> raiding a GRC supply depot in Lithuania, the Flag Smasher sneer at the GRC for sitting on six months' worth of supplies that could easily sustain one of the resettlement camps in need, walking away with their latest bounty to the surprise of the other Flag Smashers. Carly detonates a bomb near the facility with Innocent still inside. She essentially at this point says this is the only language these people understand so we're starting to see a bit of a change of character with carly where you know before yep. they did things because they felt they needed to for the bigger cause but now they're kind of wanting to teach a lesson to people now we're seeing the dark side yeah right now we're seeing the bad side now how far they chase it it's up to them but they've struck the first blow on that on that sequence, right? Like we're seeing the bad stuff of where this can all go awry and it's not all Robin hood and virtue, but there actually is a power struggle and a, a political message being sent. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it's part of what needs to happen for the story. 
I, it's too bad because I think that she became this neat protagonist in her neutral state. But now, obviously, the the story requires something deeper to happen. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Walker Hoskins arrive at the Berlin prison only to discover that Zemo had escaped during a prison riot shortly after Sam and Bucky had paid a visit. Um, they two and two together and they know that Sam and Bucky are somewhat responsible for the escape Walker then tells Hoskins that they're going to go off the books um, basically his justification of his is that if they get the job done um, you know do you really think they're going to sweat us on the how so it's kind of like doesn't matter how it's going to get done people just want this job done do you see what Boris just did there <laughs> he just brought that comment from the beginning that they won't care how it gets done as long as they get the result they want, right? Yep. Like it's called full circle, folks. Yep. That's, that's <laughs> well done. Thing, that's when you thing, said it, I'm like, that's the scene he's gonna revert it to. Yep. And that, that's the thing I really like about the MCU is that they're really good at doing that, right? Like it's like yep. you know, and then it's like the Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio meme, it's like the pointing, it's like ah, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it, it, I had you when you when you brought it up. Yeah. I'm like, I know exactly what line that's going to relate exactly. to, and rightfully so. And it is identified and delivered upon. Yeah, like it, it's it's painfully obvious when you know to look for it. Hopefully, the audience listening right now is like, ah, the exclamation point goes on above their head, or they rewatch it and they go, ah, oh, yeah, you're right. Or they don't even need to. It doesn't even matter because yeah, it's true. It's just matter of fact yep so, so marvel pays attention to stuff just like dc does and this is a payoff of that yep and that that right there is it it's payoff right and, and i think as viewers viewers especially now want to be getting those those those, those that 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 payoff it's all about the payoff. yeah well, we talk about look this at wandavision yes yeah wandavision was huge in its payoffs to fans mandalorian and, was huge in its payoff yeah Exactly. It, it's a it's a good theme by Disney, and it's a way to keep your audience watching. Yep. It really is. And and it keeps the audience doing this type of event, yeah, right, exactly. where we're deconstructing shows yep. and looking into places that maybe we have no freaking business looking into yeah. or associating certain themes or, or things. And we're looking for meaning behind everything. Yep. Like, hey, did you see the Starbucks cup? It was on the left and now it's on the right. What yep. does that mean? Exactly. It means that somebody on the crew put a Starbucks cup on the Game of Thrones set. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So uh, Joaquin Torres informs Sam they found a hit uh, mentioning that she has recently died. So they're talking about Donia Medani. Uh, they have a location, mm -hmm. Riga, a city near the Baltic Sea. Um, so Zemo takes them to his apartment in Riga. On their walk, he tells Sam and Bucky what he heard of his homeland, Sokovia. I really like this whole conversation because it kind of, again, you know, we always see stuff in the eyes of the Avengers because those are the heroes, you know, that's what that's. Mm -hmm. that's what. But it's cool. And it's fun, and it, I kind of like this about the MCU when we kind of take a look at how, you know, the, the everyone else, the common folk, the peasants, kind of lived through the events <laughs> of these movies, right? Yeah. But, but, hang on, so this is Zemo's recount. No peasant. Yeah. But it's not, it's the non-Avengers take. Yeah, yes, the non -Avengers I agree. Take. 
Yeah, yeah. and I, I do like that. I do like that it humanizes people in these events. And we even, again, I'll say it as just king of the drawback on this for this week, and I didn't even see these parallels. But in WandaVision, even a lot of the Sokovian life that went on when they depicted, you know, the Stark missile and just the whole, we're going to sit around and watch American TV reruns on of DVDs and things like that. You know what I mean? Like that commoner, there, there's your literal peasant rewind. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a good insight. It really is. Here's right? the thing. And that's it's important. Also found very interesting is uh, Zemo also mentions to Sam and Bucky that countries around Sokovia literally just erased it off the map. Um, mm-hmm. Sam and Bucky asked if they visited. Uh, sorry. He asked if they, being Sam and Bucky, visited the memorial. And upon receiving the response, he said, of course, why mm-hmm. would you? Like, you don't give a shit yeah. about us. You know, you're above us. You're above the general public. What the fuck do you care about us? So again, it, it kind of goes yeah. back to his his means to an end, right? Yep. It justifies his approach. Yep. And he's he's making it fit that. As well, it means that any kid you can't find Wakanda in your in your textbooks because Wakanda's invisible. Yep. You can't find Sokovia because it's being erased. Yeah. <laughs> Madripoor is on an island that we can't find, and the no is in outer space. Yep. So that's why you can't find any of this in your textbooks. Yep. All right. So I'm uh, kidding. I'm I love kidding. it. But I love it though. It's uh, so yeah. So Zemo and Sam head up to the flat. Bucky says he's gonna go for a walk to clear his head. Um, he finds a Kimoyo bead outside of Zemo's apartment, and then a second mm-hmm. one down the street, walking down an alley. Bucky states out loud that he was wondering when they were going to show up. Um, as he turns around, he stands face to face with Ayo, one of Wakanda's Dora Milaje. Her mission is clear. I'm here for Zemo. Yep, and we, we kind of had that hint earlier on the episode about Wakanda not being letting Zemo walk free for long. So I, I was, I was, this was one of the few moments in the MCU where I was hands up in the air celebrating. Because I was like, I know what this means. It means this shit's going to get crazy now. Like, <laughs> yep. it's that, that simple, you know what I mean? Like, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be resolution there's going to be justification there's going to be a lot of mcu universe being thrown at us yeah in action or in justification yeah really it, soon let's remember zemo pulled a terrorist act and he murdered the king of wakanda yep yep zemo it was in prison nice. zemo was in prison so the wakandians kind of left him alone they just like Carrie and everyone must have heard that Zemo is out so it's like here's their chance we're gonna fucking kill him right now another thing that I really liked and I know this is a surface thing but I'm actually thinking for Halloween that Zemo mask has to get made because it was a really cool outfit that he was wearing with the big trench coat and the purple mask and the way it was structured and whatnot it gave him a really distinct facial structure and the eyes I, I was looking at the production quality of that mask thinking how are hasbro or whichever company going to do this in such a way that it's marketable on you know and then somebody's going to rip it off too and then sell it for half price on amazon and say it's authentic but i just looking at it going 
that's a really cool mask. Like it looks great. It's got this presence, man. Yep. It's just really got a lot of presence yep. on the screen. And I don't know politically how well it aligns with everything, but hell, I, I, I'm hoping that he's able to talk down the Wakandans and, you know, I don't know. It's hard, man. He killed the king. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a hard one to get out of. Like it's, it's not an easy trap that he set for himself and there's no real justification for it unless he can, I guess, make them see yeah. what we've been talking about. And that is he lost his entire country. Yeah, exactly. Right? I'm so. a little interested to kind of see if they make mention of what's going on with Black Panther with their current king to see mm-hmm. kind of, you know, what's going on then. Cause uh, I wonder how they're going to address the Chadwick Boseman uh, uh, stuff in the MCU. Yeah. It's and a I, legit question. Yeah. Like it introduces a talking point if they want to, if they want to take it at this point. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Cause it is, for me, it is interesting that like they are hunting him down. It seems like something that Black Panther wouldn't allow for the simple fact that he did have the opportunity to, to kill Zemo and he didn't take it. Right. So, I feel like yeah, exactly. That's that's where I'm hoping, or I I don't want to hope. I don't I don't want to dismiss the fact that he killed the king, but I do like Zemo Zemo being an unstable force in the MCU. Yeah, and I'm hoping that he can save his skin because uh, through one of these loopholes or through one of these justification points, because of maybe there's a vacuum of power, and maybe they'll see that maybe. Black Panther was right in letting him live. I don't know, but there's got to be some power struggle possibly coming up there. It doesn't have to be, but it's, it's interesting to see where they'll go. I just don't know anymore. Like it, it's so hard to predict. There's only three episodes left. How much time can you spend trying to get to the bottom of, of such a complex subject? And maybe it's just a matter of him fighting somebody to a standstill. I don't know. You know, it, it could be entertainment value one one it could be something that leads into Black Panther 2. Exactly. It just depends on where they want to go. And it's MCU, so it really is anyone's guess until it happens. Yep. Right, yep. so. Exactly. I, it's entertainment. It, yep. it, it really is. And uh, the only thing that I'm upset about with this show is that it's only six episodes. Yeah. I get it. The budget's and and demand of the actors and pandemic and everything you can't do a long run series or anything like that but i just enjoy this stuff so much and it feels like it's going to be a long wait between the end of april and june before loki comes up and then yeah and then and then we're going to get black widow which is going to port things over for a little bit longer, but we're only going to get a two-hour glimpse into that. Yeah, it's going to be and, weird watching. You know, a then movie we're into again. Star Wars. Wait. Yeah, it's going to be weird watching a movie. Yeah, that's going to be very bizarre. Yeah, because I, think- I, I I did see one of our I did see one of our friends Matt Elfring post on Twitter that he'd take an MCU show over an MCU movie any day at this point. Here. I would too at this point. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you just get so much more explained. You get a deeper look at characters. You get world building. You get places like, places like Madripoor, you know, 
as, as, as instead of it being a footnote, we really get to examine Madripoor, and I'm sure we're gonna come back to it in some shape or form down the line mm-hmm. in the MCU. But you know, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm I agree with with that assessment 100. I would right now would much rather see a MCU show than an MCU movie. But hey, that's just me. Remember, remember when we were promised this kind of linkage and story depth with like Agents of Shield? I talk about this all like the time. That. I talk about I this know. all the time. It, it just it just seems to be really staring me in the face right now because I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like every time that we extrapolated, oh, there's Agent Phil or whatever, and we're like, that means everything, and it's yeah. like, doesn't mean anything. You yeah, know, it never things. meant anything. Yep. Yeah, it never meant anything other than it got eyeballs on the show. Yep. That was yep. the only thing it was intended to do. Yeah, so. exactly. So that was that. All right. So, listeners, let us know what you think. And the best way you can find us, Phil can tell you. So, Phil, do your thing. Yep. Well, if you're looking for us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, you can find us at the at the tag of it's at it's canon podcast. Um, if you're looking for us on our website, it's www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. You can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, really anywhere you find podcasts, you're going to find the It's Canon Podcast show. And if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe. If you can, leave a rate and review. It pushes us up in the algorithm. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. Yep, thank you so much. And we hope that you do like these uh, these retrospectives. If the numbers tell me. Yeah. <coughs> oh, my God. If the numbers <laughs> tell me anything is that, yes, people do like these episodes, even when I'm choking on my own whatever that was. Um, but, yeah, we do appreciate the listens. We do appreciate the feedback. Um, yeah, every episode we're getting more and more feedback. Uh, and I hope that we can keep the momentum going uh, so that we can create quite the community here on the It's Canon Podcast. <sighs> I think that's it, Phil. Yeah, man. We got momentum. Yeah. We got momentum. We're back to two a week. We got some content. We got some great guests coming up on future episodes on our weekly specials. So, you know, we got three more episodes of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then we're going to be mixing stuff up. And we're probably going to have the eventual return of Tyler. Yep, exactly. Coming up we'll at some point back. soon too. So yep. I spoke with him earlier, um, and he's doing really good. So that's I'm um, happy for him. Uh, so we are the It's Canon Podcast, a podcast where we talk about all things, everything, all things pop culture, all things geek, all things tech. He's Phil. I'm Boris. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>